Good morning, afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to the All Jazz Jazz Podcast. I'm your host, Matyash, and today I have with me Marte Railing Uri, and we're going to talk about self-love. She's a self-love coach, and we're going to talk about how we tend to treat others the way we treat ourselves. We're going to talk about the importance of listening to others, the awkward uh, silences that sometimes happen in life. We're actually going to do a contest about this. And some of the things she's emphasized again and again in podcasts is how not to make anger the enemy, how not to make it wrong, and because that's the easier way to work with it. We're going to talk about how anger is actually connected to our passion sometimes, and how the surges of energy as well that we get from doing something may be connected to our passions. We're going to talk about her being a sex coach and what that entails and more stuff on that. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the podcast. Welcome to the new episode of All I Jazz. I'm your host, Matyash, and I have with me Marte Belling Uri. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. And you are a soul healer and a self-love queen, among other things, which I find uh, that's a fascinating description. So let's let's go with the latter, the self-love queen. So I think you would agree that self-love is really important in life. Yeah. Change starts from within. We cannot change others, but we can transform our inner life. And we tend to treat others exactly how we treat ourselves. So the more we dive into the self-love and acceptance, the more this will actually reflect out in the world. So I believe we change the world from within as in me and you doing having the focus of that inside. <laughs> so if I if I ignore others and I'm aloof a little bit, that means I'm ignoring my own needs as well because actually that's what happens in my life. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, the, the silence tells me everything. Okay, let's move on. <laughs> um, so how did you get into this kind of, uh, this kind of work? Oh, it's a long story. Okay, let, let's go back to the beginning. No, the thing is, I always, um, I look to the body. So when you ask my question, I'm going to do this a lot. I'm going to look out in the air and just take a breath. And then I connect to my body and I speak from there. So it's, I try not to answer from my mind. I try to answer from my body. And sometimes these questions then require me to go a little bit deeper within so i kind of just shut off a little okay. bit the world and go inside and then find my center <laughs> oh so before um, i said that you were silent it's not you were just like uh waiting for information yeah and a lot of the time really what we how we can so support the best is also just by deeply listening and also letting the other person have their own process and finding their own answers instead of 
rushing to give an answer. Mm. Yeah, I had the, I don't know if you know uh, Jordan Peterson, but I have sometimes um, seen him in contentious interviews and he would, uh, um, sometimes he would pause a lot longer than, you know, normally what people would deem necessary because he was thinking and, uh, but he was, granted he was using his mind, but still he was, uh, sometimes he was pausing for quite a bit uh to really uh think about what the person was saying so to come back with a response you know mm. so i think it's um something i think it's eight seconds or now six seconds actually mm. is a very short amount of time that for most people will feel is uncomfortable with the silence and so starting to be comfortable with the silence is perhaps one of the biggest things uh, we can do for the world. <laughs> it's again, not, not rushing in to fill the void, but letting things develop naturally. You know, this reminds me, there was a, he's a Scottish comedian went to US. Uh, his name was Craig Ferguson. And what I loved is sometimes, um, I wonder if you want to try this. Sometimes at the end for fun, he would say, you want to play the harmonica? Or, or do you want a, a, the uncomfortable silence? And sometimes the guests would be like the uncomfortable silence. So the uncomfortable silence would just be them not saying anything and looking at each other. Um, yeah, you want to you try that? And then the first, per, the first person that, that loses would be the one that says, this is, uh, yeah, I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, let's go. All right. All right. <laughs> I think laughing that you lose. Um, all right. That, that was maybe 35 seconds. I don't know, but it felt like a long time. I think it was longer. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, I have practice in this. So <laughs> you have practice. You haven't. Any, oh, I, I have not. But actually, the, that's not true uh there's a course I, I i don't think i'm allowed to say the name because like but actually there there was a course that i went to that they made us um uh, those who done it will recognize this they made us like go to a person 
and look and uh, greet greet them. Maybe sometimes shake their hands, but just look in their eyes, not say a word. And uh, and that would be it. And then uh, like I would just we just go around the room and say that for. Uh, not say but like greet a couple people like that and uh yeah it's but it's a fascinating thing because we need uh in ordinary life it sounds like we need to fill the void with words <laughs> you're doing it again okay yes you have to say yes of course <laughs> Well, this is why I recommend meditation. Mm. It's uh, like the via passing away, learning to meditate. You only focus on the breath. Uh, it transforms a lot um, because through that, we'll start to learn to observe what's happening inside and more and more being comfortable with discomfort. Mm. Yeah, don't worry about the camera. I'll be back. Um, so is, is the, is the discomfort and, um, is it like a social expectation that we have on the world that we want to, uh, the world to make us not feel bad and look at ourselves? Could you rephrase that? So, oh yeah, that's good. Uh, so if. Is a lot of the societal expectations basically us wanting to wanting others to fulfill the expectations we have for them, and so we don't want to be. It's kind of like we're holding people to a certain expectation, to a certain standard, and if they don't uh, fulfill that, we might be uncomfortable, but we might blame them, be like, "Well, it's it's their fault because they're not doing." you know, what the societal norm is. Yeah, and for me, that comes back actually to self-love or lack of it. Uh, so if we're not filling our own cup, then we're dependent on other people filling that cup. And then we are basically in a lot of ways like beggars. And we all do this because it's what we condition into in society. So we then expect others to be there for us and do things for us and we're not giving it to ourselves mm. and then when they're not fulfilling what we think we need then it builds comes resentment and anger but this is actually from ourselves because we know that we are failing ourselves or for instance we are maybe putting all of our energy to other people and we're depleting ourselves and that builds again resentment Mm. do you think there is any uh, justified anger that we have towards other people i think anger is a really beautiful emotion and feeling to work with it's one of my favorite energies to work with um it's in anger has like anger in itself because it's important to have there's the pure energetic activation which i call emotion of mm. anger and that is purely, uh, again, activation of the energy inside. It's sensations in the body. And then there's difference from actions or reactions and thoughts. So when I say anger is beautiful, I do mean the pure 
physical activation of energy because it's a massive amount of energy that is released and really given to us in order to create a big change. So if we do feel anger, it's because we are coming across a pattern or a situation that needs a lot of energy in order to transmit. Mm. You know, a lot of times I have, uh, I'm annoyed with myself. Like uh, this is, um, I was thinking about it today and I think like a lot of times I have the inner child running the show. Like uh, for example, like when I go to sleep, I, I always used to really severely dislike when my mother used to tell me to go to sleep and uh, oh, this this is embarrassing, but I'll share this. There was, uh, you know, MSN, MSN Messenger back in the day. I don't know if he used it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I had my, I had my mother on for a while and she was in the kitchen. I was in my room and sometimes she would message me to to go to sleep, you know. And then after a while, I blocked my mother. <laughs> but, you know, it's a pattern, like staying up late is a pattern that still is to this day. I went to bed like at four or five in the morning today. So it's, it's really uh, something. So I guess what my question would be like, how, what is the, what would be the, the way to transmit the emotions to to uh, facilitate change in one's life. Uh, first of all, is starting to explore the feeling without the story. Uh, trying to tap into the pureness of the energy and letting go of the story. Mm. So, for instance, one of the things I have a certification is is um, somatic experiencing. We call it self pleasure. Um, and not to be confused with masturbation. Uh, so it's self-pleasure is taking the time. You can think of it as feminine meditation, really. So it's taking the time and be with one's emotions. So for instance, if one is feeling, so what you said there, I would say is two different things. One is if you want to explore anger, but if one is feeling anger, then one can, for instance, put on quite angry music and have pillows and express that anger, like let it physically express itself. Right. And trying to then just be what is coming there. And instead of going into mind loops and mind like thinking and trying to think our way out of it, it's to let it express itself. And my experience then is that then we start to get to the core of what's really underneath. Because usually, like most of the, well, I would say anything and everything that has us feel anger in life now has the origin usually from childhood. So it's usually then some kind of feeling of being insignificant. Anger can also, of course, be a rightful anger. For instance, if someone is trying to attack you, you know, that is also then a rightful anger. And the, the situation you were saying about not going late to bed, for instance, yeah. that is again something to explore, for instance, in saying that, okay, for 20 minutes now, I'm gonna set a time and I'm gonna let myself be in the emotions and the 
stories that's coming up. So I'm gonna set a timer. I'm gonna lay down on the floor, for instance, and then see what is coming up as why do I have this resistance? Okay, so it's like um, letting go of the, the negative emotion and kind of being, being with, because uh, uh, I guess you're saying it's an emotional charge that I'm, that's why I'm doing this. So it's like uh, I'm being run by the emotion. So if I let the emotion uh, out, then I will change my behavior. Well, if I was going to do this in a session with you, I would bring you back to your inner child that is acting out because it doesn't want to do what its mother is telling it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. And then through there, allowing, for instance, that inner child to be angry with the mother, saying to mm. the mother exactly what it wants to say. And this is also something one can do as an exercise for oneself. Because as children, to criticize our parents will feel like death because we're so dependent on our parents to survive yeah. because our system is basically the same as in, in when we're, you know, stone age time. So we have this caveman instinct as children in order to, oh, our caregivers have to love us. Otherwise we'll be cast out and we will die. And so instead of then saying to our parents, if we feel that it's will be met with, Princess anger or resentment or that we will be rejected, we will instead internalize that, that kind of frustration and act it out in other ways. Right. Um, would you agree with uh, that there's a guy called Jesse Lee Peterson. Uh, he has a radio show and he often says that uh, people should uh, uh, forgive their mother and get closer to their father. Is that often the case that people have a resentment against their mother? I think maybe people, probably a lot of people have resentment against their father as well. Forgive them, both yeah. of their parents. Yeah, I think basically all of us are walking around with a lot of mom and dad issues. Uh, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. allowing that to have its safe space, for instance, with a coach or by ourselves and letting that play out is a really huge way to let it go um, and also being a parent yourself it will also through being a parent and in interaction with a with child if you start to let go of your own mother and father issues then my experience is you become a more tolerant parent yourself because what also what tends to happen is that we often became this become the same or the opposite way as our parents yeah. when we ourselves become a parent or the way we behave towards people that we feel are acting like a child. So for instance, if another adult is being emotional and basically being you know, pulled back to their childhood, then the way we will behave towards them, the way that our caregivers acted towards us when we were emotional as children until we start to be with ourselves that's again the self-love so when we start to be with ourselves and accept that we are emotional beings mm. and start to 
allow ourselves to have the inner reactions as emotions, having the tantrums, having the anger, having yeah. all these, having space inside, then that will less and less have the need to act out in the world. Right. So I don't believe in negative emotions. I believe all emotions are valuable. It's a matter of they will have a shadow aspect, which is what we can call the negative aspect. Yeah. Or it can have a light aspect, which is something that's a gift. So for instance, anger has a shadow aspect and anger has a gift aspect. Right. I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> so, but it's interesting because a lot of people would say that... Um, um, that anger is something to avoid or, but in a way you're saying, you, you're saying the same thing, but in different words, you're saying that to welcome it, to use anger and to, um, um, so, but, but you're saying indirectly, you're saying that this is, uh, on a scale, this is, we want to, uh, you want to get, uh, rid of this so we can get to something higher No. I don't believe in getting rid of it, no. I think the reason why there is so much shadows and darkness as an evil in the world is mm. because people are trying to get rid of what they call negative emotions. And what happens then is that when anger rises, when all these, you know, these emotions rise, that we have put a label on that I do not want this. Yeah. Then suppression. So when it starts to bubble up, it's suppressed is suppressed and that's the shadow that is how shadow and darkness are building up in the world and inside of us and this is energy that then becomes energetic blocks so it usually then tends to play, play out in either a physical illness in the body because of that block or as an emotional violence towards others as in projecting that energy out onto others yeah so for instance if we do not ever want to accept that we have angry emotions inside of us we will actually start to see others people's reaction very quickly as as angry and then be like you're angry like you know and like disallowing people to have a natural emotional response right and so for instance, then if someone isn't angry or they're just feeling something isn't okay and they're trying to, to tell that and then someone will tell you, you're angry, you're not allowed. Right, then right. that will fuel more anger. <laughs> you see, you're trying to see what, it's a very complex thing, but it's about if we own that anger is a natural response, then we start to get to choose what actions we can take from that energy. So the more I accept anger within me, the earlier and earlier I will notice that that is building up inside. And the earlier I notice something, you know, the more I can control how I use that energy. But if we suppress it, what happens is, you know, the famous drop that spills over and then someone who is, you know, maybe it's an, cashier in the store or maybe it's 
someone you love, you know, that gets the whole glass that is just spilling over. Right. <laughs> uh, wow, that's so, quite specific yeah. cashier in the store. Wow. Um, <laughs> but it's okay. So this seems to be, there's two ways to this. There's either you suppress it or repress it, I guess, or there's a, uh, uh the way you're talking about which is going into it and using it um um but still would you say okay because you're not saying it's good or bad but would you say uh let's say acceptance and neutrality is preferable over over anger of course could you rephrase that but so but you would would you still say that anger uh I mean, acceptance and uh, like being neutral is preferable over being angry. I don't believe in having preference, no. I think having preference is basically the same as avoiding something. So rather, so if we're gonna use the word acceptance, mm. I would say acceptance for the fact that we have the whole range of emotions and feelings. And what happens when we start to have this acceptance is that actually, as a beautiful default, we start to have less of the extreme. Because again, the, the quicker we notice, the more, you know, it will not build up. So it will not be a huge fire until we notice that we're angry. And we just yelled at someone and we didn't even know that we were angry. <laughs> right. So it's that kind of becoming more and more sensitive. That is really the gift. So again, noticing earlier and earlier that something is bubbling and changing and then being able to be with that and observe. And that's again why being able to be with discomfort and being able to be with quiet and then notice inside that, oh, something is brewing, something is changing. And then holding like a gentle space for that to come up and then for instance what more and more quicker will happen is that either to be able to feel that energy and not do anything about it just letting it burn through the body and that is very possible to actually be super angry but staying calm and having that energy just flow through the body and again then activating something inside of you whatever is needed and the other alternative that usually you can combine with the first one is to be able to express very early that if you speak to me like that i feel hurt and i do not want to continue this conversation you know rather than waiting until someone has truly stepped all over oh your yeah body. oh yeah yeah, yeah. I've had that experience many times, yes. <laughs> and the reality is that no one is actually ever, well, I'm going to say rephrase that because sometimes people are crossing your boundaries. Um, but most of all, usually it's us that let people step over our boundary because we are afraid of creating discomfort by voicing that this isn't comfortable yeah it's it's a hard thing to do um let me rephrase what i asked earlier so because <laughs> I, I i i can't get you to admit some basic okay is it would it be preferable to uh 
to accept your anger or to be angry at your anger? <laughs> well, that question it kind of answer itself, right? <laughs> no, not necessarily. <laughs> well, the, the choice you're saying is that either meet yourself with acceptance, uh, which is actually usually then is the childhood wound, is that we were not accepted and loved for having emotions as children. Yeah. Uh, and the other alternative is self-mutilation through not, you know, doing the same, telling yourself you're not allowed to have this. And it's, again, it's self-mutilation. <laughs> so there is a little bit of duality in your perception. I just want to make that clear. <laughs> a little bit. But I, I think I see your point. You're, you, are, um, you are emphasizing that how to how we frame it is, you know, is, is paramount so that we're not escaping it, but that we, uh, that we accept and, and go into it and, uh, and use it rather than having it build up, you know, like a huge chain that you're dragging with you. Yeah. And sometimes it can also just be about observing it. Yeah. Because usually the anger, for instance, that's bubbling up has nothing to do with that person. Yeah, right. Or is it possible that people add to your anger just a little bit? Like you have a, a giant store of anger, but people add onto it so that the, you, you keep accumulating more. If one is avoiding anger, then yes, I believe that law attraction will make sure that you continue attracting that. And part of that is because I believe energy wants to be healed. Energy wants to, first of all, be released and felt, but it also wants to be transmuted. So if we are avoiding, trying to avoid anger, I believe that the universe, and I'm doing this, <laughs> uh, so will continue to attract you to situations where this will be triggered. Yeah. And every time you have the possibility of, changing it by doing something different but if people stay stuck in i do not want anger then they're going to continue to attract this so for instance when i notice that i am attracting something that i do not like i know that it's time for me to sit down and be with what is it i am rejecting within myself what is it i'm not owning Right. And what I always find that is that because I can't change the world, but I can change how I respond to it. And when I own my part in the attraction of the attraction, then these situations tends to either stop or be transmuted to be in a higher frequency situations rather than the low frequency. Right. So there's a change. So you go to, uh, would you say the soul then overall is at the higher frequency than it was before? The soul can't, the soul is pure. So I don't necessarily believe that. Oh, can you rephrase that question? So would you say that the soul then, then or, or you know, because... By the soul, I mean, 
a person's soul that's obviously connected to your mind and body it's uh, does that overall does that then cal i was gonna say calibrate uh does that vibrate higher than uh if you let go of, uh, or go through a lot of your the stuff that you need to sit with a lot of the emotions yeah so it's the ego patterns that is attracting you know that is keeping us away from our soul mission right so when we then and i see emotions as the way that our soul is communicating with us saying that you know sending the energy activating the energy and saying that it's something here for you it's like physically sending kind of like okay there's something here for you to take right. notice of something is happening now like uh, you're in your ego pattern or something you know noticing or or you know you're letting people step over you which is our ego pattern and so when we then start to look at the emotions as gifts <laughs> as our soul activating something within us yeah yeah this is what you need to work on like here yeah pay attention uh, is basically say pay attention so you would say that in a relationship that's abusive there is there is always uh two people that's required to tango so there's one and the other and one kind of attracts the other and the other goes along with yeah but I, I, that no, would be both. a both there's never innocent party <laughs> that's what i'm saying that's what i'm saying yeah there, there is yeah. uh because that a lot of people would say that's a it's a controversial view to say the least you know to that uh they would call it uh, to blame the victim you know it's really unpopular like uh and that would not stand up in, in, in a court of law because if you could prove that this person um, hit another person, then the court of law would be, well, this person is guilty or this person did that, you know. Um, but there's other dynamics at play. You're saying that uh, we can't just totally blame another, one person of the two. There's these extreme examples that are really difficult and complex that is you know when we're talking about violence and people actually violating it's a tricky situation uh, to talk about yeah uh, because it's yeah it's again so complex and also well what i do believe is that we are here with the soul mission and i believe that that soul mission some people have chosen to experience for instance violence in order to be able to heal that and then lead the way for others because there is a lot of evil acts in the world there is a lot of shadow and darkness exactly because human nature have this avoidance of their own inner demons <laughs> right well we so, have everything inside right so there is good and evil in the world of course i do believe that yeah well i believe there are evil acts i do not believe in evil people and, and no i don't i believe that there oh. are some souls that are so shrouded in darkness that their soul isn't able to communicate 
but I do not believe that their, I believe their soul is equally as pure as yours and mine. Well, that's a technical uh, technicality, I would say, because uh, God cre created all of us. You could say all of us are part of the one, but for the moment, I would still, um, you know, if you if you pick up a flower that has thorns, you know, you learn not to do that. If you if you go in bushes where where there's uh, snakes, you learn not to do that. So it's kind of like. Uh, certain people like roses with thorns you can't you cannot go too too close or you're gonna get uh blood on your hands in a way so i would define that in simple terms as evil whatever whatever is uh is beneficial for humanity let's say is good and whatever is not is is could be evil that's a very simple definition but uh that that's how i would view it but but then i do agree with your technical analysis that there is um but yeah i i don't know actually i, I think freedom of choice gives us uh you know people where where they want to be to so the soul to experience darkness let's say but i do believe in accumulation as in i believe that you know, we come here with wounds that we have inherited, as in past lives. Yeah, but not as yeah past lives, but also in the ancestry, like yeah. from our parents. Like they even done quite advanced research on this on mice, and they found that if they put uh, the mom or dad mice through um, some kind of trauma. And then even if they took the mom or dad away from the, the children, then up to 14 generations later, the mice baby would respond as if the trauma was done to them. Oh, wow. That's crazy. So trauma is stored in the body. It will be transferred onto other generations. And this trauma, mm will shroud the energy as in it's like a veil to the soul and this can be denser and denser and denser so i believe that the people are doing evil things in the world in that way is innocent because they're born into an ancestry that has very thick like for generations has built up this kind of layer to the soul if that makes sense right but inside like the soul itself is pure but it's the kind of the human avatar if you call it that is just have all this shadow and darkness that is keeping the lights out mm. i want to ask if, you so okay go ahead yeah i just i want to say that because if we call people evil the problem then is that we're not owning that inside of us there is capacity for equal evil because oh. if we would have been born into a different family, different situation, and all these kind of extreme situations that can happen in our lives, we all have the capacity. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Like uh, one of my favorite philosophers, Eric Hoffer, uh, he was once on a TV show back in the 60s, and he's like, nothing that man has ever done is foreign to me. All the evil acts, uh, you know, 
I've, uh, there's, there's crumbs of everyone inside of us. There's a, there's Hitler in me, there's Stalin in me and all that. So it's a very interesting statement. It, he was, a uh, uh, he was, a uh, he was a great man. Anyway, uh, I was going to ask you about something interesting. Cause when you thought, when we talked before about, um, I don't know what we we're talking about, but it came to me a question about, yeah, we were talking about resentment in parents. So, so there, I guess there is truth to the, to the popular conception of, uh, of uh, women and, and daddy issues that they're seeking out something in men that they have not gotten from their father and they probably have a resentment against their dad let's say or they yeah, have no a, dad in their life that's a topic i actually haven't dove that in quite into okay. uh, i feel like that is someone who works with relationships for instance more directly um but i can speak to let me just feel yeah no <laughs> i do actually in session i just didn't put it together like that but there is always going to be anger and resentment towards one's parents that is hidden underneath everyone Mm -hmm. so we have to forgive our mother and father for what they have done and not done to us <laughs> well i actually think it comes down to acceptance that the first first accept many try to go straight to forgiveness and by that is actually bypassing the hurt inner child so by again self-love and self-acceptance first to accept the fact that i do feel fury towards mm. my mom or my dad and actually underneath there is even having violent thoughts about wanting to kill or hit right and acceptance of that and through that acceptance forgive oneself like is this kind of acceptance that is there and from acceptance they will kind of blossom into a forgiveness of oneself for having these violent instincts right and from there my experience is that forgiveness of one's parents just comes as a beautiful kind of side effect okay this is an interesting definition there would you say that uh for everybody if you want to forgive first you have to accept what was done to you or done to others that you love yeah but then again done to you is then also understanding my experience is the more we understand what's happening inside ourselves with all these emotions violence and hurt and all these it's like a pretty intense movie inside of ourselves like inside of our head right. <laughs> and when we start then to be able to observe everything that has happening inside and first of all starting to have a little bit of almost like a distance that i am not my thoughts because this is a thinking machine it's created with the sole purpose of think to think and it will be between 60 to 80,000 thoughts per day and it will have the whole range of the animal inside of us that wants to kill or hit or hurt 
It has the parts that only wants to eat or only think about sex. And then it also has a part of us that is thinking, want to hold hands and sing Kumbaya. <laughs> you know, it's right. like we have all these parts of, inside of us. In addition to the hurt child, I just want to stomp or yell. And, you know, it's like, so this acceptance of everything that is happening inside and then getting to that kind of understanding that this is, again, suggestions that's coming up. And I am not what I'm thinking. I am what I choose to do. Mm. So through that, we start to observe our own reactivity and everything that's happening inside. And when we then develop a compassion for that, naturally, as again, as a default, we will start to develop compassion for others because we understand that they are also sometimes caught in their thinking box and reacting from their thinking box. And through that, we start to see also our parents as humans. We start to think of them as gods that are supposed to endure everything and be perfect. Right. So as you see, for me, it all starts, it all starts and really in many ways stops with ourselves. Mm. How, how do you, talking about soul and, and, and its mission, how does one know what the, what the mission of one's soul is? Like, how, you know, how, like oftentimes I think to myself, what am I, what am I supposed to do uh, here? I guess maybe this is one small part doing this, but uh, yeah, like I think a lot of people wonder, what is my purpose in the world okay so it's actually a lot connected to anger <laughs> uh, anger is a great motivator and anger when you transmute it turn into passion oh. so the question is then is that what makes you angry like and what lights your fire and uh, the more and more when we start to see that that is connected Politics because anger <laughs> again can be that great motivator i want to change this i'm going to do something about it you know it's right. like that kind of it gives for instance for me when i tap into feeling anger i feel like my i get like a lot of energy to my feet and i feel like this readiness to jump and do something and that is again kind of the motivation because it can be really scary to put yourself out there in the world and do something because human beings tends to like to have things be normal and continue in the same way. Humans right. do not like change. Uh, and well, we can grow to learn change, but as a default, people do not like change. Mm. So that kind of anger turns into the passion and the motivation to kick off and daring to do something that is going against the stream yeah not many people dare to do something that's that uh that other people are not doing but then that's how history is made somebody always starts it there's one person that starts it and then the rest yeah they start following i'm sure that for instance you know, maybe 
Edison was just tired of not being able to work in the evening and or maybe there was the lights or maybe it was danger and then he's like no I want to change this <laughs> oh yeah he got angry I'm like these freaking lights man they, they, these like uh because he, he probably had like uh, candles these candles yeah. are are not good I, I have to keep like buying new ones and <laughs> so uh, that's interesting like finding something that makes you angry for me some yeah. oh wow some political stuff makes me angry and uh yeah wow that's interesting what makes you angry um you know my my political position is mostly on on the right and uh, one time i was when i was in israel the I went to a Holocaust museum and it was very sad. But the thing that makes that made me more most upset that day was, mind you, this is the this was January 2017 or something, just before Trump got into office. So he wasn't even in office. But this lady, uh, she was looking at the scene of all the the bombings that. Uh, and all the people that died because of the Nazis and all that. And she looked at the scene and she was like, oh, this makes me so sad because uh, it reminds me of Trump. And I just like, wow, Th that made me so upset for hours after that. The, 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 uh, the irrationality and the comparison between a, a innocent person and a person I would call total evil is uh, incomprehensible and obviously as there was no there was nothing like the Auschwitz as I could have predicted so <laughs> anyway but so do you think that's the only way though to find true anger because I maybe that's a good indicator though it's uh, it's not the only way it's again actually about feeling the surge of energy inside hmm. and yeah. That again comes down to being able to be with both discomfort and silence and being able to observe what's happening inside. Uh, the, another thing that is kind of like a comfortable and easy way is to what do one likes to do that feels effortless, as in you can do it for hours without is being difficult right yeah that's more a classical uh term of what you love to do mm. but the more interesting is the things that feel shameful and the things that feels anger because that has a lot of energy in it because shameful even wow yeah because sh we feel our ego our mind is terrified of being different because the ego is terrified of being rejected. Yeah. I started just hailing outside. I don't know if you can hear it. <laughs> That's great. I love yeah. hail. <laughs> yeah. um, so the ego is terrified of being different because it then knows that it's a bigger risk of being rejected from the group. Mm. And the things that we are here to do as in a soul work is to create the differences, to do something, to, to go, you know, let me find the words, 
our sole purpose is to come here and change Odyssey's pattern in society. Mm. And we will feel shame around that because we know that when we start to voice or do something different, we are going to meet that resistance. And so our ego will try to have us hide that part. They will activate shame. Yeah. You know, it's tough when you have... uh... Like uh, let's say in in, in uh, like now I'm in university in in Scotland and uh, on political matters I often uh, my views are different than uh, the younger students. Well, because a lot of my classmates are like nineteen twenty, and uh, and they have a particular view. Uh, it's very left. So sometimes I feel like. Uh, yeah embarrassed or in a way like to express my point of view unless it's like unless i really feel like i can't i cannot contain and just like you know and and feel i often feel like sometimes that i have to express this so because there's no other candidate for that point of view so otherwise if i'm not going to be the candidate there's no candidate at all (laughs) you know what i mean so that kind of enrages me and I've anyway I've complained many times at the university of the biasness but maybe that's my this maybe that's why I'm in university not not for just for learning but to fight for the the balanced view I guess I don't know uh, yeah being a voice of change yeah yeah and my experience is that when we start to own that part inside something starts to happen because so for instance if one still feels shame about being different i'm going to take a personal example now okay so i posted a sensual picture of myself and as a response from there that there's always some kind of backlash from other women Mm. uh, that it triggers something so i always receive i don't receive comments anymore but i used to but there will always be a larger amount of unfollowings by women right and when that happened i went inside of myself and i find that oh there's an echo here something inside of me feels shame around posting a central picture, something inside, there is something for me to own inside. So what I did was to be with that. And I went further into that kind of sexual energy. And in my language, I call it dark feminine, which is the seductress. So I dressed in red lingerie and I did photo shoots and of myself. And I was just expressing that energy. Yeah. So I was even more in that energy that was causing me to somehow feel shame as in owning that part. Yeah. So for instance, then in a situation where one feels shame about, for instance, being maybe all the, always the one who speaks the opposite yeah. <laughs> is to how can I own this even more? Mm, that's interesting because there's this 
parts of us, when we're feeling insecure, this will actually send signals out to others. To attack us. So they will pick up. So it's about, again, actually coming back to inner security, inner love and inner acceptance. And then we get to own even more. And that's the difference with standing on firm, you know, inside of ourselves and being able to express something and not having the echo of shame be sent out. Ah, I love that. You'd be even more bold in your, uh, in your own uniqueness, you know? Yeah. How can I hold myself with gentleness that there's some kind of insecure part? Mm. accepting it because what we tend to do is to try to reject that part and that is again actually like a hurt inner child that is wanting to but this feels scary and if we own that part is inside of us something starts to transform mm. so in your work you do inner child work as well with with clients and you go there and you take them to significant events in their childhood yeah sometimes it's this life sometimes it's past lives uh, it depends so what happens in a session is that i sit down with someone and then their energy starts to speak to me and sometimes i see colors sometimes i see visions sometimes i hear things so it's this kind of i have all the clears so and they speak to me in different ways and they will speak to me in a way that makes sense for my client. So a lot of the time I have no idea what I'm saying or doing. <laughs> it's like I will mentally not understand why I'm, the things are coming out. But the point is, it's not for me to understand, it's for that person. So it will always make sense for that person. So it's like yeah. it unlocks shadows and darkness which is wounds inside of that person and then again through being witnessed and being with the hurt that's inside it's a like a huge burden that one is carrying around gets released and transmuted mm. yeah so the the hurt is uh so you, you okay let's Maybe let's do a little bit now, but not, I don't want to go in the past. Can we go about, <laughs> I don't think we have time for that. It's too much stuff. Okay. Um, if we go, like, what if somebody comes to you and says, uh, oh, you know, what, what do I have to do? Or what do I have to focus on right now? Kind of thing. Or what's going on in my life that I'm not aware of. Mm -hmm. So, for instance, with you, I know you're, you're, you can edit this away, but <laughs> it comes up of this image of you standing in an auditorium um, and something that you felt was quite embarrassing happened with oh some kind goodness. of situation that was very strong for you. And this somehow feels like it's keeping a little bit of luck. But before that, I feel like you were walking around trying to get your mother's attention, like from her skirts, and you were brushed off. 
Yeah, I don't recall that. <laughs> I am so, not in priest. I'm not in priestess mode now. So when I do a session, yeah. I will open up a space in a different way. So before uh, you asked me when I started doing this work and why, and I've always been doing it, but the difference is that now I'm doing it in a conscious way. And now that I'm doing it in a conscious way, I do not usually pick up much about other people. Whereas before I would constantly subconsciously pick up emotions and feelings and memories and things from others. And I didn't know that I had psychic gifts. So I would sometimes say things and it would trigger the hell out of people. Right. <laughs> yeah. And the difference is now that I can control that gift. Mm. It's, you know, it's something I do in a session to, re to release and help people. So I'm not suddenly just blurting out something <laughs> in a private setting that is you know how it is we all have everything from different words or situations that are deeply deeply traumatic for us that can trigger a huge response and it could be five people in the room and five people will react differently yes so maybe for four people there is no reaction and then from one person it will be a lot of energy for instance <laughs> mm. yeah I mean, some people, um, in a way, need more attention and, and, and coaching and stuff like that. Uh, there's a, I love this story. There's a, there's a famous example of, uh, there's a famous football coach, Jose Mourinho. And when he was in Italy, in Inter, coaching, there was a player, Italian player called Mario Balotelli. And Balotelli was out of control, kind of, especially at that age, early 20s. He, he had a yellow card. Uh, in the first half and uh, the coach spent uh, all of his time saying mario please if somebody touch you no reaction if the referee make a mistake no reaction if uh, somebody says to you something bad no reaction mario please like he talked to them for 14 out of 15 minutes and then they go to play and uh, about 10 minutes later he gets a red card <laughs> he could not he could not change mario bolotelli <laughs> So it seems to me that some people in certain areas, they need, they need more attention because they're more, I don't know, they, there's more family stuff maybe that's, uh, that's, uh, that's brought up there, let's say. Well, I believe we all come here with sacred wounds, as mm. in there's certain situations that we're here to help transmute and change. Mm. And we will, these situations, we will experience keep experiencing until we're ready to embrace them. So I'm going to bring for instance again the example of me keep having a lot of aggression towards me in my life because I was without knowing, you know, revealing people's wounds. Yeah. And it's when I started to be curious about this, that it all changed. So but before I was trying to hide, like I keep not understanding all this aggression towards me. So I would actually hide more and more until I actually looked at it. And that is then connected with me now, supporting other people stepping into their gift. 
through me learning in my life that when I'm trying to avoid situations that's causing a lot of energy, if you think of, for instance, anger. Yeah. When I own that this is my gift, when I own that my gift is to have this energy come out from people, I then get to rewrite it as in finding the light aspect instead of triggering the shadow aspect. But until I have owned that part of me, I will attract the shadow versions. Right. Because that's that's what's attracting it, basically. The, and we, when we transmute that, there's, well, we attract other sets of problems, I guess, uh, from, a, from a different perspective, eh? <laughs> <laughs> we, yeah, but then again, if we then don't start to think of it as problems, is rather than why is this happening for me? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there's like literature that says, oh, you should think of problems as gifts and all that, you know. But uh, I think it's very hard for people when something comes up and they're like, oh shit, man, this is happening, and I have to, I have to figure this out, you know. Um, the only reason why it's hard is because we have a society that is based around suppressing and mm. taking medication or yeah, suppressing through watching endless TV or all these kinds of things people suppress with. Mm. So, and I believe that that is beautiful change that is starting to happen in society is of having a different way of interacting with children for instance so rather than having that society that was much more before where children were supposed to be hushed and they're not supposed to look pretty and not be heard yes and rather now you know how we think about children in society is gradually changing more and more but it needs to it needs to change even bigger <laughs> And through that is having a focus on children about emotional intelligence and also that acceptance so that children can heal gradually as they are a child and not be walking around her children like really whole, all of humanity is just basically a wounded inner children that is walking around acting out from our wounds right <laughs> that's a good way of putting it um you mentioned the sensual pictures putting them uh, on facebook i guess there's not not many men that unfriend you from that just women mostly yeah and that's actually a wound i am now traveling with is that i got like seven or eight hundred facebook um uh facebook friend requests and like 300 messages only yesterday oh are your pace uh no are your posts public? Like uh, your posts so other people can see them? Yeah. Ah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay, that's why. <laughs> yeah. And, and then again, I met another wound because for me, this is about, I believe that it's really important to embrace all parts of us. Our sensuality and our sexuality is a huge part of that. And I believe that most of society's capitalistic system is based on shame around sexuality in our body that are very natural instincts and even very strong instincts. And so learning people then again to be with their sexual energy and be an owner of it and not just sending it out. So 
most people are again just projecting their sexual energy rather than harnessing and keeping it because it's a huge power of energy and creation are you talking about semen retention and not like uh dispersing your sexual energy everywhere or like i don't know for women maybe it's a bit different well the thing is again is that learning that sexual energy isn't first of all shameful mm. And when we're not thinking of it as shameful, we've got to start to harness it inside of our bodies. So instead of it being something that we need to get rid of, we start to be able to hold more and more of that energy. And it will look different, yes, from a male and a female body, uh, or depending on gender, because we also have other genders. So, um, but that's a very complex, <laughs> discussion but the sure. point is that being able to hold for instance feeling sexual arousal or sexual energy without needing to act and send it out right to be able to feel it enjoy it and letting it be there yeah okay so the purpose of that would be to not uh, not be at the effect of it i guess Sexual energy is life force energy and it's creative energy. Okay. So in a way you can transmute sexual energy into creativity and writing or reading or okay, any kind of activity. Cool. So you do sessions on this as well. The uh yeah. Is it called uh it's not, sex code sounds wrong. Well what do you what do you call it? No, well, you can call it sex coach. I'm a certified sex coach. Oh, is it okay? Okay, <laughs> but but does that mean that you, you help people with uh, their performance or performance anxiety or or everything before and after? Or what is the? I I don't know how to wrap my yes. head around this. But for me, that also comes back to really self-love and self-acceptance. <laughs> okay, so, so that's the main when, thing. For instance, yeah, when one is able to hold oneself, like, oh, I'm experiencing, for instance, anxiety now. When one is then accepting, for instance, that within oneself, one starts to be able to transmute it. Because what mother many will do is that if they feel anxiety, they will try to suppress that they feel it. Yeah. And that will drain a lot of energy. So the situations will look different. So I can support people in, for instance, learning a different way of touching their body. So for instance, for men, it can look like learning to be with yourself and not just going to a quick jerk off to porn, which basically will leave a very, very bad performance with a sexual partner. Because what we are doing when we are by ourselves is really practicing. It will be like how we behave with others. Uh, so it will be irrational to think that if one is doing a quick jerk off to porn. Well, that's the the, too, too bad as well. Uh, masturbation may be not as bad as, as the pornography because that brings its own, I feel, very negative energy because I've experienced so, it. So orgasm is beautiful. It's one of the ways we can transmute blocks in our body. It's one of the ways we can build our life force energy. Mm. So masturbation is not bad at all. 
it's again learning how to, for instance, masturbate in a way that will give energy and will give self-love and not be because many masturbate in order to get rid of the energy. Yes. Yeah, that's so a good point. if it then becomes being able to be with that energy and building up even more and more of that energy, that will lead to, for instance, how one is able to be as a lover. Because if you can hold more energy, you can hold more pleasure with yourself, of course, that would lead to being a better lover. Mm. Yeah. And the problem with porn is that porn is made to be addictive it's usually one needs more and more violence or some kind of sexual roughness because what it does it directly goes more and activates the animal inside yeah and there's nothing bad with animalistic sex one of the most important aspects of everyone but particularly for a male body is to own the inner animal and in a safe relationship and by relationship i do not mean a romantic relationship a relationship can just be also for that evening <laughs> but right. even a safe container as in a relationship you get to maybe explore that part so but you, first you need to own it that is there yeah. but what happens with porn is that it's created to to get dopamine hits and it's also very visual. So you're in your head rather than being in the body. And all the pleasure is happening in the body. Mm. And, but the most important thing for me is to think of as there's a difference between erotica and porn. So erotica as in consensual adults that is having a true and real connection versus porn where it's, actors right i've seen recently that there's people making attempts not just making attempts but uh, posting more erotica porn which i find i don't know some of it with storylines and some are with uh uh actual partners like the posting stuff and i don't know i i, I like i just want to to stay away from that altogether now <laughs> well i think it's a very good idea to first start to master one's own energy yeah. and not necessarily needing a stimulus from someone else sure because if one always needs some kind of stimulus then again that affects how one needs one life one is you know everywhere where we need someone else to activate something within we're giving away our power Mm. yeah so we we have to not we have to but it would benefit us if we master ourselves and and the emotional aspects and then a lot of other areas of our life would be would be fixed would be would be better because we wouldn't be so much at the effect of uh, the outer world mm. Mm. not being a victim of our emotions and our sexual drive but being in control of it and when mm. i say control i do not mean suppressing i mean being able to hold it and feel it and act rather than react right right so if people contact you uh marta what is that how i pronounce your name marta marta yeah that's good <laughs> okay <laughs> 
So if you want to contact you, it's, it's for a self-love session. It's for sex coach and it's for um, discovering your soul mission. Those three things. Well, it's about inner exploration, really. Mm. <laughs> so it's um, in that is I see people from all kinds of reasons, everything from anxiety to sexual trauma to wanting to have deeper orgasms to, you know, the, it's the whole variety, really. Awesome. Awesome. So where, where can people uh, contact you? Well, the Instagram is the best way um, or to book directly through my website. Okay. I'll, I'll put the links below uh, on Facebook and YouTube or wherever you're watching or listening to this. Um, but yeah, I really, I really enjoyed this. Um, do you have any uh, last words before we part? It's about like, getting curious about what's happening within that is the the key to having a life that is beautiful in every way yeah yeah okay let's try let's try uh let's try the awkward pause once again if you want (laughs) okay maybe this moment i don't know how interesting this is for the audience but maybe i'll try this All right, I think we could go on for this for a while. Uh, <laughs> I could. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, I know. Uh, thank you, Mart, for being on the show. And uh, I greatly enjoyed it. Uh, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. And thank you, everybody, for listening or watching the podcast.